And I'll just open up with some prayer and then we'll roll in to today's lesson. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness once again this morning. Your mercies are new every morning. Uh, we pray that you would bless us today as we come to know more about you and how you've ordered this world and uh, more about Christ and who he is and what he has done for us. Uh, Father, we pray that you would bless our time here as parents, as those who will be parents, uh, to know how you have ordered the family and how we are to raise our children. Father, we want to be faithful. We want to know what your word says. We ask that you would give us grace and help us and strengthen us in this task that you've given to us. And we pray that you would bless our time together this morning. May we grow in our understanding of uh, your word and understanding of our children even and of ourselves through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in session six of getting to the heart of parenting. Last week was the first week we talked about the zero to five years and parenting and what that primarily looks like. And today we'll be finishing that up. Uh, This just gives you a little roadmap to where we are and where we're going. So we're going to just dive right in. Hopefully you have your study guides with you so you can follow along. But from last week, just a short recap. From the age of zero to five, a child is developing a worldview, an identity, desires, and it's all happening fast, right? Um, For those of you who have been around the new babies in our congregation, you realize that they start learning really quick. And so the babies that were born in June are already laughing, smiling, they get grumpy, they, you know, they're developing, uh, and they're, they're developing just at a fast pace. So it, it's a sprint here, these zero to five years, and they're going to be learning quickly about how the world works around them. Uh, one of the basic needs of a child at this age is that they need to learn that they live in a world of authority. We all live under authority, and, we li- and no matter who we are, we answer to someone. And so they need to learn how to live in that world. And the parents' authority over children is to teach them how to live under God's authority. So God has given, has delegated his authority to certain people and certain roles that we live in, whether it's the civil authorities over us or the parental roles that we have or a teacher or a boss. We all, we all live under that authority and a child needs to understand that that's the world that they've been born into. So we have a couple opening discussion questions um, I don't know how old this teaching series is. It's older than you think, probably. It probably is ten <laughs> years old or so. Uh, I was say 20, but. but these are the opening discussion questions. How do you see a lack of respect for authority in the culture today? And how do you see an unwillingness to enforce authority in our culture today? Do we really see this in our culture? <laughs> Everywhere. Everywhere. A lack of respect. How do? How does that? How does that? Just the dis- disruptive nature of the city council or the Shasta County Board of Supervisors meeting. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I think. The boss. Uh huh. Yeah. Any other ways we see a lack of authority in the culture? A lack of respect for authority. I think that part of uh, 2020 
riots and uh, and then doing nothing about riots and that would be a prime illustration of both of those <laughs> right uh, yeah. yeah I was living in Seattle at the time 2020 when there were riots going on defund the police so it's like are you crazy right Right, so there's a lack of respect for authority, and then there is just a lack of unwillingness to enforce the laws that we do have, or even change the laws that we do have, So, which we've seen some pretty crazy things in California happen with just regards to shoplifting and the laws surrounding that, just no, an unwillingness to enforce the laws. We've seen a lot of district attorneys, right, in various cities saying, we're not going to enforce the law, we're not going to do these things. And so there's a lack of respect on the one hand, and then which sometimes is driven by an unwillingness to enforce the laws. So, so authority is kind of on the front burner for us in this time after 2020, like Sam said, that's when it really, we saw it unmasked in in full glory um well and i noticed that even in kids are just very willing to be like no i won't do that instead of like even i think when naomi was little there was there was more compliance like in a classroom setting now they're like i don't want to do that no so there's like a a lack of there used to be a higher like kids would just kind of even if they didn't want to do it, they wouldn't say. <laughs> Unless they're like a toddler. So just, but now they're like... They're more know. vocal about yeah, it. Yeah, they're right. just very defiant. Some. Well, we're going to jump into this video session today, and he's going to pick up the second half of these zero to five years and really helping us understand why we need to show our kids that they live under authority and, and what that looks like and how to, how, you know, we're also going to, you're going to see, we're gonna, he's going to talk about the use of the rod in discipline, which I think Ben planned this so that I would be up here talking about the rod. Uh, so we'll kind of, na- we'll navigate that too. Um, so why don't we get started So even in the most fun moments at the beach, you must still be mom and dad and they must still be kid. And that structure, see my hands, must travel wherever you go. You don't get out of that structure because you never know on the beach when what? You'll have to step into that authority role in a specific way. That's difficult if you've given it away all day and all of a sudden you change roles. That's confusing to your child. Because after a while, they don't know who you are. It's very, very stressful for a child to wake up in the morning and not know whether I'm going to get the buddy mom or the parent mom today. That creates all kinds of insecurity and ultimately bitterness because it, it feels like a bait and switch. You want those lines to be clear for the child. The child shouldn't give you commands. Look at how authority works. Look here. You command down, you appeal up. Isn't that right? If you have a boss, you don't go in and tell your boss what to do. 
If you think he needs to be involved in some initiative, you appeal to him for that. That's a natural recognition of his authority. Now, he has the right to command you because he's your authority. That structure needs to be in your relationship with your child at this age. Uh, Little Jimmy comes home and he says to his mom, get me a sandwich, I'm hungry. He's five years old, he's been in kindergarten. What should mommy say? Jimmy, there's a problem here. What do you think it is? I've told you what to do. That's right, Jimmy. You have. And when you tell me what to do, what are you being? I'm being the daddy of mommy. That's right. Is that the position God wants you in? No, it's not. Well, say it again a different way. Mommy... Would you please make me a sandwich? You throw your arms around little Jimmy. You say, Jimmy, I'd love to make you a sandwich. I love to provide for you. I love when your tummy is full. But you must not command mommy. Because if you do that, then you're not living under God's protection. You need mommy's authority. Now, what's happening is this little heart is giving away autonomy. And beginning to see the beauty of submission. Wouldn't it be nice to have a teenager at 16 years old who wouldn't think of looking in your face and saying no? Not because he's scared to death of you, but because he now esteems authority. Listen, that's possible. That's possible. These are important issues. And those, those little conversations are steps in a direction that you need to take so this child understands the kind of world that he lives in and his role and the need of authority and that some, somehow, even if he reaches the highest position of authority a human being could live in, he's still under God's authority. He will always live under authority. Oh, here's the second Lie. The first one was autonomy. The second is self-sufficiency. Autonomy says I have the right to choose what I want to do with my life. Self-sufficiency says I have everything inside of myself to be what I'm supposed to be and to do what I'm supposed to do. Self-sufficiency says I have everything within myself to be what I'm supposed to be and to do what I'm supposed to do. Hear this. We are not self-sufficient human beings. We were created with inborn dependency, ultimately dependent on God and dependent on all the tools God would use so that we could live properly. The child wants to be self-sufficient. I mean, maybe you've seen it. You're a child learning to tie a shoe and he doesn't know how yet. When you reach down to help him, he pushes your hand away. This child could fumble with those laces forever and they would never turn into a knot because he doesn't know how to do it. But there's an instinct in him that that puts it away. He'll say, I can do it. Don't help me. You see, that, that is a refusal 
to accept my neediness, a refusal to accept my dependency. And so you say to your child, because you need mommy's help doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean you're defective. We all need to be taught. We all need to be learned. We all need to learn. God's given you parents to teach you things that you wouldn't know without them. Now, you get the model already. You got to talk, 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 talk. You got to have time to do that. You can't be too busy yanking your children here and there with all these activities that are the chasing of the American dream and you have no time to have productive conversation with your children so you reduce it down to yelling orders and enforcing punishments and you call it Christian parenting and it's just not. Because you're not instilling these basic concepts into the heart of the child. And as you instill those concepts in the heart of the child, you give the Spirit of God an opportunity to work change in that child. This is big stuff, this authority stuff. Some of you gave that away when your children were young. And you're dealing with that now. I would suggest you go back to your children and you confess that. Say, I made mistakes when you were young. They gave you a view of life that's wrong. And I would love us to have a fresh start and a new beginning. Own it, have the conversation. Talk about those, those gaps because those authority battles that you're now having at 14, 15, 16 didn't start at 14, 15, and 16. They started at 18 months and two years and three years and four years. And you win the battle there. Heart change takes place there. Then you carry that legacy on further in the life of the child. Now, one of, well, let me finish this. God gives promises here. As I live God's way, I will enjoy the respect, trust, friendship, freedom, responsibility, and opportunity that results. When a child submits to authority, he's living inside of the the laws of the universe, the way the universe was designed, and when you do that, good things happen, right? When you live according to design, good things happen. A train is a wonderful creation. It goes very well on tracks. But you cannot drive that train across a meadow. It'll stop. Uh, You can't drive a boat down I-85. It's a wonderful creation, but you've taken it outside of design. We all are aware that God has designed his world in particular ways. And when you stay inside of that design, good things happen. Uh, If you've read Age of Opportunity, you know we had real children and we, we went through many of the things that families go through, the struggles of raising children who are in fact sinners. But because we, we tried to lovingly and faithfully, perseverantly in enforce the importance of authority, when our sons began to go out into the workplace, they got rave reviews because they were respectful, they worked hard for their money, they were willing to do things that their boss asked them to do, they arrived on time, 
I'd show up to pick up one of my sons and the boss would grab me and say, you have such an amazing boy. He's so reliable. You know what, I'm, know what we're harvesting? Three years old, four, year old, four years old, five years old. Now living in, in the blessing of, of that. And because of that, they got, they got greater authority than a teenager would normally get in the workplace because they were trustworthy. They weren't, they weren't super spiritual kids. They didn't glow. But there was something basic about life that they had submitted their heart to and they carried that into the workplace and there was blessing as a result. Don't you want to give your children that blessing? Some of us right now are, are, have children in our home that are hell-bent on failure, on stress, on conflict. Because these basic building blocks are not in their heart. And that's why this period of time is so important. Uh, if you have a child between zero and five, I'd, ac- I'd like you to ask the question, what legacy are you building for that child right now? What seeds are you planting and what is the harvest going to look like? And those of you who are harvesting, why are you harvesting what you're harvesting right now? What do you, what do you need to do to remediate? Uh, long life does not mean that if I disobey, I will physically die. Rather, this is a promise of blessing, a long and prosperous life from the willing submission of myself to God and the authorities he has placed in my life. I love what it says in the Psalms. I love this. All the ways of the Lord are right and true. All the ways of the Lord are right and true. When you live God's way, there's blessing. I don't mean a pain and problem-free life, but blessing. And you want to give that legacy to your children. Now, one of the things you need to understand is that your exercise of authority is actually a rescue mission. You're not disciplining your child just because they've made you mad and because they made you mad, you have a right to slug them. The whole purpose is to return yourself, your child back to God's circle of safety. Uh, discipline is corrective. Discipline is restorative. Discipline is rescue. Now, there are there are some things that you need to know. It's rescue and restoration. You want to turn the heart of your child. That's the purpose of the discipline. It should not be an expression of your irritation, anger, or impatience. Because then what the child does, he doesn't respect your authority. He becomes a master at reading your mood. And when you're having a bad day, he stays out of, out of danger. And when you're having a good day, he's going to push you. You see, that's, that doesn't have to do with the submission to authority. It's that you have, you have not made it an issue of authority. You've made it an issue of your mood. And when you do that, there will be things that are wrong that don't tend to bother you that you won't go after. And there will be things that are wrong that particularly bother you that you will go after way too much. Because it's about your emotion. It's not about God's law. 
And that is like walking on eggshells. The child is trying to scan you. They got, they got the mom and dad GPS out. And, and they're trying to figure out uh, who is mom today. Uh, sometimes you can even listen to siblings say, mom's having a bad day. Watch it. I wouldn't ask for that right now. You'll get it. We don't know what it is, but we don't want it. Uh, It's loving authority, active discipline as an expression of God's authority. Now, what's the primary rule tool that God has established? It's the rod. Now, some of you are going to struggle with this because you have been enculturated by the surrounding society. And I want you to open your hearts to what I'm going to say right now. Uh, Just like there are uh, fashion fads in culture, there are philosophical fads. I can remember my dad went out and bought a Ford Fairlane 500, and it was two-tone, which was very cool in those days, uh, pink and black. What a horrible-looking car. Uh, But it was cool. Now, if you would look at that today, you wouldn't think that that car is cool looking. You didn't make that choice. Somebody else defines for us what looks beautiful. You're wearing things, many of you, I mean, some men, you're wearing the same thing you would have worn 50 years ago, but uh, that you wouldn't have thought were that attractive 20 years ago. In the same way, we are massively influenced by the philosophical fads of culture. And so it's always important to go back to what the Bible has to say about particular issues. Hear these passages of Scripture. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with a rod, he will not die. He'll sound like it. Uh, (laughs) Punish him with a rod and save his soul from death. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your souls. Now I want to go back... uh, to Proverbs twenty-two fifteen. Before I look at this passage, I want you to hear me say this. Physical abuse of any sort is a horrendous, evil assault on the very identity of your child. It will crush, embitter, and distort his heart. And the legacy of that will live for years. I counseled uh, pretty regularly for about 20 years, and it always shocked me to see 35-year-old, 45-year-old, 50-year-old men and women who would begin to talk about the abuse of their home, and they'd weep as if it happened yesterday. You must not slap, push, punch, pinch, pull hair, yank, If you're yanking your child, you are an abuser. 
If you're pinching your child, you are an abuser. If you're slapping your child across the face, you are an abuser. If you're pushing that child down the hall, you have abused that child. That is not Christian discipline. That is violent, angry, evil of the heart against someone who has been placed in your care who must see you as absolutely safe. I think as we have, we have pointed to all the abuse that out, is out there, I think there's all kinds of subtle, small abuse that's going on in Christian families. And that child grows up, he's embittered against God. He's embittered against God's law because the way it was enforced was personally demeaning. You can't say that it's proper when a child is mouthing off to you to reach across and slap them across the face. That is not thought through, careful, loving discipline. It's not. Now, is that clear enough? So what we're talking about is not that. We're not talking about abusing our children. Here's the struggle. Look at 22... 15, folly is bound up in the heart of the child. Here is the most dangerous thing going on in your child's heart, foolishness. You gave birth to a drop-dead fool. It's true. Now, here's what a fool does. A fool sees the world inside out and upside down. That's what a fool is. A fool sees the world inside out, upside down. I look at good and I see bad. I look at right and I see wrong. I look at healthy and I see unhealthy. I look at unhealthy and I see healthy. You know that's your children. This child actually believes that he can stay up forever and not get tired. Well, that's that's foolishness. The child thinks that he can be regularly disrespectful to you and still have a good relationship. That's foolishness. The child thinks that it's your job to indulge all of his wants and that child will still not be self-centered. That's craziness. And so that foolishness is very, very important. Now, God knows that although your children have elaborate ability to understand amazing things, they still have limits to their conceptual ability. They're still not able to think in elaborate ways abstractly. You understand what I mean by that? And so God has designed this beautiful system. It's this, when the child acts in foolishness, God attaches a painful physical consequence to that because the child understands that. And so I begin to make the connection that when, when I do foolish things, bad things happen. That's a wonderful connection. Now, that means that this, this process must be very, very carefully done. Uh, some common questions about spanking and, and, and some things about how to go about it. First question. Uh, this is the most important. When do I spank? In what situations? You only exercise this for, form of uh, discipline when there has been a direct 
clear rebellion to authority. When there has been a direct and clear rebellion to authority, you say, what if I don't know? Don't do it. This child lives with you. God will give you another opportunity. (laughs) You'll have plenty of tomorrows where issues will come up. Uh, It means you don't discipline a child for being a child. That's abusive. Look at this example. If if, uh, you're allowing little uh, Frankie to pour milk into the glass and he totally misses the glass and pours milk down his pants, you don't discipline him for that. That's just being a child. His manual dexterity is not all that it's supposed to be. He's going to get a lot of things wet. But if you say, Frankie, don't take the big container of milk and pour it yourself. You're not able to do that yet. Mommy will do that for you. And he grabs it and does it himself. Then you have a clear issue of rebellion. You see the difference? You need to know that difference. Uh, People say, well, what do I do next? The next thing you do when you've had that clear uh, rebellion to authority is you get a hold of your own heart. Take time so that you're restrained and you do this thing well. Don't allow yourself to discipline and anger. Uh, Next, take the child to a private place. This, This kind of discipline should not be a spectator sport. Parents say, well, I want my other children to know. Oh, they will. (laughs) The word will get out. There'll be a hush in the house. Uh, Next, uh, interview your child. Talk about the rebellion. So he's clear as to why he's there. Next, get an acknowledgement. It's wonderful if the child actually is willing to make a confession there. Get an acknowledgement. Uh, People say, what do do I use? Some people say, well, the hand of love should never become the hand of discipline. What's wrong with that? Discipline is love. Uh, My brother Ted says, one of the best things to use is one of those comeback paddles with the ball. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, something that's nice about that is it, it sort of spreads out the force. It doesn't hurt your child. It's loud. It's limited pain. Will not injure the child. Um, now, you may have to do some disrobing. You, you know this is true. If, if your child has three layers of diapers and Oshkosh Bagosh uh, coveralls on, you could shoot him in the rear end and he wouldn't feel it. <laughs> Uh, after, after the discipline, pray for your child. Hold him on your lap. Hug him close to you. Pray for him. Ask him to pray. But pray for him. Pray the grace of Jesus down on this child. Pray for Jesus' help and Jesus' rescue. And then, having prayed, Reacknowledge your love for the child. Tell him that this is not about not loving him. Tell him how painful it is for you to do this. 
Tell him you hope you never have to do that again. I told my children that hundreds of times. (laughs) Because that's true. And don't let that child run away until he's calm and your relationship is what it should be. Now, there's a very loving, restrained, careful system of rescue. It's not expression of anger. It's not abusive. It's not yanking, pulling, pushing, tearing, slapping, slugging, all that evil stuff. It's very careful wanting my child to know that he does foolish, foolish things that are in danger to him, and God wants to remind him of that so his heart would turn from that. Okay, let me pray. Lord, thank you for, again, the amazing wisdom of your word that gives us such practical guidance. May we be uh, wonderful expressions of your authority in the lives of our children. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there was a lot there that we could talk about. All right, so we'll work through some of those review questions, and then hopefully we'll have a few minutes to like bat around some of these concepts and maybe bring some clarity if if it's not clear already. Um, the first question I want to go through is in your um, outline there. Uh, what is the danger of being inconsistent with your exercise of authority? Confusing. It's confusing. It them off guard big yeah. Yeah. It sends mixed signals, right? When we're inconsistent, they uh, say, well, hey, you let me get away with this yesterday. Why? Well, how come not today? Right? And so they're always kind of guessing. And it's usually you're. Our inconsistency is usually based on our mood. I think he talked about that. Like things don't particularly bother us today, but some for some reason tomorrow they do, you know, or they will. And so then we're just kind of parenting based on our own mood or our, our own what bothers me at the moment. And that can be really harmful for kids, really, because then you're this you're just kind of this this unknown to them. You mentioned that it, it trains them to focus upon your mood rather than God's law. So their, their moral compass becomes turned by how you're feeling that day right. and what they can get away with rather than whether something is right or wrong or honoring to God. Right. That's, that's a great point. Lisa. <clears throat> and then they um, are not actually submitting to your authority. They're just figuring out how to deal with you. Yes. They're, yeah. They, I'm in this system. <laughs> how do I work the system? This is how it works in our house. So, yeah, they're not, they're not focused on God's authority. And it can confuse them even about how, who God is and like what God is like. If we're kind of picturing what authority is like, then... You know, is God mad at me today, or is God happy? Like, oh, I, you know, I behaved well. Maybe God's happy, and or I messed up. God's mad. Right, mm-hmm. right. So it gives a, a very incomplete and distorted view of 
God when we do that. Right. Yeah. Well, it also like parenting is hard work, but when I'm inconsistent, then they are more. Uh, there's more questioning, and so it's exhausting to be a parent because they're constantly trying to like find the the way to get what they want, and it, it leads to like lots and lots of questions and pushing. Right. You know, clanking like fence. And, right. So. Children thrive when they know what the boundaries are, yeah. and when the boundaries are always shifting, then they don't feel secure at all. Well, and I, I and then you, better. and then you're exhausted. I keep the lines because it's not so right. tiring. Right. What's the difference between disciplining out of anger, irritation, or impatience, and disciplining with the purpose of rescuing? Well, I would say that the big difference there is the amount of love. If you're uh, Disciplining out of anger, it's it's about you. And if you hold back and go, this needs to be addressed out of love for the child, then they they get it. Children understand these things better than we do. Yeah, yeah, that's a great that's a great point. When we are disciplining out of anger, irritation, or impatience, then it's all about me and my needs and wants not being met, and so therefore I'm going to get these things rise in me (laughs) and it's all about me whereas when I'm looking at it as a rescue mission now it's about the child and how can I help bring the child along and correct this misunderstanding about how the world works and what God's law is and what it requires and so it's focused on their needs not my needs right well, and I think uh, when I felt the irritation or impatience, like especially when my kids were young, I knew that I was neglecting something at home. Usually it was when we were out, like either at the grocery store or at church or somewhere, and I would be like, what it just happened right now? You know, like, and I would be upset, and I knew it was because I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do at home. I was ignoring too much, you know, some behavior or some something. So like trying to use that to go okay what and what am I at least for me that was a lot of times a trigger to go okay I've been too lax at home yeah (laughs) because now that I see this out in front of other people I'm not I don't appreciate it (laughs) (laughs) I think it's natural for us to get we're gonna when our children disobey and especially when it's defiant we're gonna be angry and irritated and lack patience, right? But we can't discipline from that frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Jordan? I was going to say the, the disciplining anger, irritation, patience, and patience um, plays into the inconsistency because we are just naturally sometimes more irritable or more impatient because right. of the circumstances going on. And so when we're in that frame, it will lead to the, the inconsistency that we're trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Right. That's very true. I one thing too is generally we're focused on behavior when our children disobey we're more concerned with that behavior than we are with the heart that's the root of why they're misbehaving or why they're defying us and defying authority so so acting out of anger irritation and impatience doesn't that won't address the heart issue. That just addresses the behavior issue, letting them know, I'm not happy with what you're doing right now, right? But it doesn't get to the heart of 
why like it doesn't seek to rescue them from the issues of the heart that they're dealing with that that, that the behavior is produced or that's a result of the heart the behavior that's a result of the heart all right why and when is spanking appropriate why and when well, it said when there's outright defiance right when it's i'm not going to do that right direct def- direct and clear defiance right and why is that the point at which we need to spank? Because it's not them acting like a child. It's that they're rebelling and they're going against the authority. Right. And but but the thing you want to avoid is to spank if they're just being you know being a kid. Being you know, a kid. It wasn't their you know they didn't have the ability to do whatever right. they did or whatever or wanted to do. Yeah. Johnny. In terms of the why, it's just because it's the way that God designed it. He designed us to feel pain. Designed that to be a way of disciplining our children and having them respond to that. So, I'd say right. directly in God's word. Right. Yeah, God's word. He had a lot of proverbs up there that instruct us to use the rod in a certain way to save them, not to necessarily just for punishment's sake, but in these early years, zero to five, your child can't understand abstract ideas. In fact, I have teenagers now. Sometimes I still don't think they can understand some (laughs) abstract ideas, but they're not going to make the connection. You're not going to be able to sit down with your two-year-old and explain the reasons why God has designed them to obey you. It doesn't work. So spanking is that tactile... It's something that it's concrete. They can understand that and associate painful consequences to disobedient behavior, rebellious behavior. And it starts early in a child. You'll, you, you all know <laughs> it starts at a young age, right? So I'm reminded of Ecclesiastes uh, 8.11 because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. You know, this is something that begins early in life. If we're not taught there's consequences for that type of activity, um, it becomes a, uh, a, a set pattern within us. You know, you can see the results of this uh, broadly in the world right now. Right. We were talking earlier in the session about um, the uh, rejection of authority in the world, you know. Yeah. Because sentence against an evil deed is not speedily executed. Yeah, you know, it needs to be okay. This is this is the consequence, and I need to start forming that association in the little mind, right? Right away. So, and that's a great point, Ray, because sometimes when you're parenting, you're not going to be able to address every rebellious deed that your child does right away, right? So sometimes, like it's going to happen at the most inconvenient time when you're out in public or you're out somewhere else and you're not going to be able to address it and the further you get from that event the more difficult it is going to be for your child to like relate that disciplinary action to what they did and so you have to be a a judge of like like there's going to be plenty of opportunity to correct your children and spank them when they need it but there's sometimes it might not be beneficial to do that if too much time has passed between the event and your ability to to address it um so don't sweat it if you can't if 
you know, it needs to be addressed pretty soon after the event. It can't wait. Um, I, I think one time my dad, he, I knew I was going to get a spanking, but man, I didn't get it until like eight hours later, you know, and it was horrible. Uh, you, there's a lot of other psychological things that happen in a young boy's mind when he knows that that's coming, but um, you need to, especially in the younger years, it needs to be addressed soon so that there's this link between cause and effect and the pain and the punishment. So. No, it's coming. Then, like, uh, you did wrong. You know, you're going to get a spanking. Like, I remember when I was a kid, we were in town. You guys get it when we get home. Oh, yeah. And we had to drive 30 miles to go. We were thinking about it the whole way home. Yeah. I try to fall asleep. (laughs) You know, all kinds of things. Right. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. It's funny, I was thinking when he was talking about that, like, Recognizing the the wrong action in a child, and then you talked about controlling your own heart, and then you talked about interviewing the child, and then disciplining the child. In my mind, I'm like that's too long. Like you're waiting, <laughs> you know, talking to your kid and then disciplining them. In my mind, was too long. But then I started thinking about it, and it's like maybe it's too long, and then I will be cooled off before I discipline my child and then that goes back to discipline and anger that being about me instead of being about the child's life. Yeah. I, I was just thinking like and I, and I initially thought that that was you know that was the wrong way to do it but then I started thinking about it and that's really it was a selfish thought thinking like okay then I would be cool off to, to the point where I wouldn't be able to discipline you know. Yeah. Yeah I think I, I'd like to talk about those steps that he went through maybe we can just jump over to that these key points are in your in your guide book there but let's move to getting a hold of your heart so he went through these steps and i will tell you like so trish and i we read shepherding a child's heart this is much of the same material and i would say this is what trish and i did consistently with our children we didn't discipline in a rage we didn't we always talked to them that interview time that you you have with them will change as they get older and they're able to comprehend so in the in the very young years you're not sitting down and having a a very involved conversation with them because they're not going to be to that understanding but you are going to run through these and so it's going to look a little bit different but i would say primarily get a hold of your own heart and so there were times when I would be so angry at what my child did I would tell Trish you're gonna have to take care of this because I'm too upset right now like which and she was there she was aware of it she knew but if if that couldn't happen then I would have to get a hold of myself to make sure that my heart was in the right spot before I attempted to get into that frame of mind before I discipline my child. And sometimes I would have to send my child to the room while I gathered myself and prayed and said, Lord, help me get into the right right framework that I'm not just so irritated at what they did, but I address their greatest need. So gain privacy, like he said. So always, we would always take our children to our room. Um, you can pick a place. It doesn't have to be your bedroom, but 
pick a good place that they can you can privately handle it and then talk they need to understand why they're there and so i would always recount like how did we get here what did what happened what did you do what did i tell you to do what did you do um so you're having a conversation so this is this is all taking time right i think sometimes we want to like get it over with come in we're going to drag them to drag them to the room give them three swats and then it'll it'll be done cuz we got things to do right but this takes time so so i think in one of the sessions if not this one he says you're talking 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 you're talking 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 all the time and like that's what we like want to do things not talk right and especially like we're we're very impatient and we just want like why can't you just act like an adult okay come on you know what's wrong and so we have to be able to to know that we're in the, for the long haul discipline it's these are all good things to invest your time in as you're disciplining so talk to them make a, help them to understand why they're, they're there um, we would always refer them back to to God's command you know children obey your parents for this is right and God calls I God has put me in authority over you and you disobeyed God because I because when I give you a command that's God's delegated authority that he's been given me to to tell you what to do and so when you disobey me you're really disobeying God and so we run through that with them and then get acknowledgement of the disobedience that's a very important thing if they think they've been wronged and they're going to think that that you're wronging them they're going to justify their sin they're going to make all sorts of excuses and that's a whole another topic you know that we could talk about because there's all this like i didn't hear you oh <laughs> oh yeah and you know our simple retort to when our kids said they didn't hear us we goes well you need to have ears that hear daddy's voice right this that's not my problem that you didn't hear and so we wouldn't and you know 99% there there might be one time that out of 100 that you misdiscipline your child that's going to be okay if you're trying but you can't take every excuse at face value with your child they're they're liars by nature <laughs> and they're justifiers by nature and they want to get they'll say anything they to, to get themselves out but you got to get acknowledged this is what happened and i would always say okay so here we are you i told you to do this you didn't do that right i didn't do that well what am i supposed to do and they're like well god's word says you have to spank me okay so that's what we're going to do right and so um we would always have i would, I would always get and i think trish would do this too you always get them to acknowledge their disobedience and then it needs to be painful if it's not painful and they're just like shrugging it off like eh, you haven't gone to the full extent to help them see and help turn their heart um that it needs to be painful and i think one of the in the 0 to 5 years it's it doesn't take a lot to inflict pain uh, but it needs to happen if you're just swatting them through a diaper and they're just like eh, um you haven't accomplished anything in fact you probably more harden their heart towards you because they just think you're kind of roughing them up and not really um they'll end up being being more embittered towards you if it doesn't hurt grace any experience mommies and daddies would be so bold to divulge your tool of choice <laughs> to effective for your little ones. I would appreciate it. Aesop has a high tolerance. He's got a very high tolerance. So, so the, yeah, if anybody 
is willing. <laughs> so I know some people that aren't in this room, they've used like <laughs> uh, more like a leather belt or, you know, something that the paddle works, but it does spread out the pain over a large area. So if you do have a, a kid that's pretty, has a high tolerance, you're feeling like you're just swinging hard and nothing's happening. So... I'm not disciplining my child yet, but <laughs> my, my dad, when he spanked us, he had a, there was a portion of a conveyor belt, and he had Bible verses written on it, and that, Johnny can tell you that hurts pretty bad. Patty whack. Yeah, Patty whack. <laughs> so, in our house, we had a small dowel rod that was, you know, about that big around, and it didn't take a lot of, I didn't. You know, you didn't have to wind up to make it work. It was just a flick of the wrist, and that was enough. I mean, it does, it's, it can be, because it's a small area, it doesn't take much force to inflict pain, but it also, if you're too rambunctious with it, it can leave, leave some marks, you know. So not going to hurt them, but, you know, you'll welt, you can welt them up. So you have to be careful. Uh, but using a, a, a flexible switch, like a well switch. Or... Yeah. I used to have to cut mine. Yeah. yeah, I did that before. Go pick out your... Oh, yeah. The small ones hurt the worst. Great. Go get another one. But yeah, the paddle, the... I don't think anyone would go this far, but my uh, dad... I have to tell this real quick. My dad's father, and I guess stepdad was his principal at school as well and so he would and they could spank back then and he had a stop sign with holes in it a big stop sign so he would bring it home and so he'd get spanked at home with it and at school <laughs> drill holes in it yeah yeah I, uh, my fifth grade teacher had a a paddle that he kept above the chalkboard and it was a big paddle about that long and it had holes drilled in it that said smoky and uh <laughs> None of us wanted to tangle with Smokey, so we... <laughs> but, yeah, I think whatever can inflict the pain without, without you getting worked up and having to really get yourself involved in the discipline. So the more you have to work at it, that kind of tends to enrage you when you're already trying to like control yourself. So you don't want to be like feeling like you're taking a swing for the fence just to get them to cry. Um, and then over time your children are they're not like after this age zero to five they're going to get older and then it's taking more you know until the like luke right now 14 years old i'm not going to spank him but part of it is i couldn't i couldn't do it enough to get him to cry because he's just like eh. <laughs> um so you have to use other methods as they get older but yeah so but having it be painful is necessary and that's the part that makes everybody squeamish right about like you don't want but it's really you don't want them to be in pain but they need to see that there's consequences there's real this is a tactile way to know like there is painful consequences to sin this is a great object lesson and it, it does redirect them somebody had a question I just have a question about like so like in public I, I, I don't have this experience yet but like Let's say we're in Costco or something, and, and my child is misbehaving. Do you recommend saying, "Hey, you're going to get spanking later," or do you recommend doing something then and there? Or because I know there's like it's a lot different time now than it was in the videos. 
that he was just making this retreat. So how do you recommend for things like that? I, I recommend you don't threaten the child. You just quietly, you know, hey, if, if they're out of control, you don't want to get out of control. Um, and you don't want to just be there threatening them, like, I'm going to do this if you don't stop. You, you don't want to get into that bargaining, or you know, they're going to use that as a tool to manipulate you. I would say sometimes, if moms, if you're at the store and your child acts out, it's time to just gather your stuff and go. You might just leave your, all your groceries. They'll put them all back for you. You just go. You just go home and you deal with it, right? But don't, don't get into a shouting match. Don't lose it. Um, don't threaten. Just get, get home and take care of it privately. I know, I know the, the tendency is want to drag them by the ear. <laughs> All right, come with me. You know, don't, don't do that. Anybody else have insight? That's just me. I mean, okay, so I have multiple thoughts on this, um, of right. course. But uh, one is that, like, um, you, sometimes you do have to get their attention. So that's where, like, the love of the ear, which you can pinch and get their attention, I think is a helpful thing. And just say, you need to stop. You know, like, just because you can, and, like, they will be able to pay attention, like, not angrily. But also, this is, like, this is training. It's just like potty training. Your kid does not know what to do. They don't know how to control themselves. They don't know how... Like, it's all training. And so um, you, you have to do it over and over again. And, it, and you have to be patient with them. And, like, when they're little, like the zero to five, like, you're literally having a conversation with yourself. I mean, I think. I don't know. Other moms can affirm or, or it's maybe they have other ideas. But I'm saying what they need to say. And then they're saying it back to me. You know, like, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. Mommy is a sinner who needs a Savior. You disobeyed mommy. I disobeyed mommy when I, and I tried to tell them, like make them say the thing that they did. When I ran into the street, I disobeyed mommy. You know, okay, so mommy has to spank you. And then, and then to make it loving. I think that the, the six and seven is probably the most important part is that it's, it's an intimate time with your child because you did have to, him, and it is horrible from a parent perspective, but also there is that after the reunification and then saying, I love you, and I I want you to understand how that God loves you too, and just working through that together. Right. And and you know, we always did a thing where I said, How much does mommy love you? And and I, and they would say, mm, you know, because they were still kind of in a funk. You know, and I'd say, oh, like, maybe this much, you know. And we'd go through this whole thing where we would, no, I love you this much. And then it wouldn't be a big hug at the end. Just because, like, there has to be this joyful, because we want them to understand that, that that's what God, how God feels. Like, it's not a, I'm going to get you kind of a thing. But right. uh, and I, I love you. Right. So, so I, I think that, you know, this is a gospel opportunity right. with your child this shouldn't be the only gospel opportunities that you have with your children. So don't get caught in that trap. But the only time you talk about Christ and what he's done to save sinners like mommy and daddy, you know, it's a, it has to be more than this. But it is a time to pray with them, reaffirm your love for them. 
I was just going to say um, between 1 and like 2.30, those little tiny ages, um, since it's not socially acceptable to spank them in the store, um, and by the time you drag them to the car, they won't remember right. why they're getting disciplined. So what we've done is that um, I lean in and I just talk really quietly to them like, that is not okay. You do not scream in the store, whatever the problem is. And I pinch the inside of their arm. Um, so to the public, it looks just like I'm having a conversation with my fit thrower, but there is discipline. Yeah. Yeah. My, both, I, I think my parent. I have one of my parents right here. My mom's here, but um, I can't remember if it was her or my dad. They had like the Spock, you know, just I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I've veered off the path of blessing. <laughs> um, so some of that is good. Yeah, we just being discreet. Um, when you get down to six and seven, reaffirm your love for them. If your child's heart and disposition is still rebellious towards you after you've run through this, you're not done. Okay, so you got to make sure that through this process, they have been able to understand their guiltiness, and hopefully, you've handled it well enough to say, you know, this isn't because I've mishandled them, it's because their own heart isn't yet good. So if their heart hasn't turned, you're not done. If their disposition towards you is still anger and still disrespect and all those things, then you you gotta you gotta stay down the, that road and keep engaging them. You can't let them huff off and slam the door on their way out. You know that's not you're not done. So yes, many a Watson child has gotten an additional spending because of, <laughs> like oh we we aren't we aren't one <laughs> one thing. Discipline and especially spanking, it's not just punitive, it's redemptive. And we live in a pragmatic culture. So there's this tendency, and I've heard this from I don't know how many parents, and they'll, I'll, we'll talk about spanking, and then they'll spank once and go, oh, that didn't work. My kid still disobeyed the next day. Well, th- this isn't about behavior, it's about you following God's word and how, how to discipline. And how to spank correctly, but also um, you're not looking for results necessarily, right? The results will come as a benefit, but you're in it for the long haul. So you're this is a teaching and training time, and so spanking is something that has to be done over the whole course of their early years to develop this framework and understanding of how authority works in God's world, right? So it if you're looking to like the pragmatic, like, well, they still misbehave. I go to the store and they're, you know, wah, and so the spanking doesn't work. That's, you're, you're not understanding what spanking is intended to achieve in your child. It's, uh, it's trying to get at their heart, which you can't, like, it's harder to see God at work in their heart. And so it's for the long haul. So, like, it wasn't like we never spanked. We kept on spanking. Like, we just kept, we kept on saying, well, God's called me to this. I'm going to obey and I'll let God take care of the results, right? Um, I'm going to follow follow this pattern, and so don't get discouraged if you know. I one of my children, I had to spank. I don't know, 
six times in one evening, you know, like, you know, but I stayed the course and it can be exhausting and it can really be a trial, but you got to, you're in it for the long haul. You're not looking for immediate results. It's not, you're not going to get them because they're, they're still little sinners, right? And so you really think about it, come at it at the fact that it's going to be a long, a long journey <laughs> and it's going to take some work on your part, but there is good fruit. I, I will say my kids, my three oldest, they worked at camp all summer up at Mountain Meadows. And you know what the first thing they said to me when they got home? These kids can't spank it. That, that was part. In fact, one of my children said that last night about some, something that was going on. But they, they came back and they said, thank you for spanking us. <laughs> they said, thank you for spanking us. We like... Because they were in positions of authority there, and the kids were just not listening to them. And they're like, these kids need a spanking. <laughs> but uh, not that they would do it right at all at this age. But they, they didn't grow embittered towards us for spanking them. They, in fact, saw it as a, as a benefit. So just, you know, they're not going to be happy about it in the moment. But I think in the end, it produces a fruit that is good. So... All right, let's pray and I'll let you guys out of here. Father in heaven, we thank you that you have not left us to wonder about how we are to raise our children, that you've given us your word that shows us um, and gives us great wisdom into uh, how your world works and what you uh, would have us do to show our children that they are under your authority and that there are consequences to their behavior and we pray that you would help us give us wisdom and strength to check our own hearts as we um, can often be irritated and impatient and angry with our our children we ask for your strength for the holy spirit to work on us as as our children disobey to which will always uncover sin in our own hearts and we pray that you'd help us deal with that and deal with our children in a loving way to rescue them from the folly that's buried within and we just pray that you would use that to point their hearts towards Christ and see their need for a savior that we can't do it we're we're unable to not sin and we need a savior and we just ask that you would be working in our children to that end In Christ's name, amen.